welcome to another episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library, a podcast for cool people who love libraries where we talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, and what we've been loving. I'm your host, Taylor, and the branch librarian at the Oakland Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, my name is Kelly Parlin, and I'm the teen librarian at the Rochambeau branch of Providence Community Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, my name is Elise. I'm the Youth Services Librarian at William Hall Library in Cranston, and my pronouns are she, her. Welcome, both of you, to the show. I'm so excited to have you both here. So um, let's jump right into it. What have you guys been reading recently? Mm-hmm. An excellent question. I have been reading mostly fan fiction because that's just my comfort place. Um, I was like, oh no, I need to think of real published books that I have read recently. Um, and I have read, uh, I just finished The Old Guard, the graphic novel. So that was cool because I had just seen the Netflix adaptation of that. And otherwise, I have the book checked out, but I have not yet started it. It's the sequel to Darius the Great is Not Okay. So Darius the Great Deserves Better, which just came out, and I'm excited to read that. I'm kind of waiting for the audiobook to come out because I listened to the audiobook of the first one, and it made me cry, and I loved it, and I'm hoping that it's the same like narrator and everybody because that would be great. So that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, I just read reviews for that the other day. I didn't read the first one, but it was very popular. I saw it around and saw it going out. So yeah, since so many people enjoyed the first one, mm-hmm. probably gonna be a lot of people who want the second one. Oh, I loved Arius. The Greatest Not Okay. It made me feel so many feelings. Um, yes. Yeah, so good. Um, now right now I am, well, I just finished Beowulf, which I read for a book club. I had read it previously oh. in college and then read it again for a book club. So that was... That was good. Uh, it was the Seamus Haney translation, which is super readable. If anyone out there is like, hey, I want to read Beowulf. It's a, it's a nice translation. But there's a new one that's just come out. Um, I don't remember the name of the translator, but I do know that it starts with bro. <laughs> Way to start a translation of Beowulf. That's I thought amazing. you meant the author's last name was bro, like you'd seen it on the spine label, but couldn't remember the full name because I do that all the time. No, it's like how epic poetry usually starts with one like statement or exaltation, like um, the Iliad starts with sing, muse, and um, the translation of Beowulf that I just read starts with so, but the new one that literally just came out um, starts with bro. <laughs> Yes. Or row. You know, it depends on what kind of inflection you want to give it. <laughs> I hope the next translation will be like, bruh. bruh. <laughs> we'll just progression down the line there. <laughs> Absolutely. Beowulf's original author isn't known, right? If I remember correctly. The original author of Beowulf is an unknown, presumably English, potentially monk, living sometime between like, 800 and 1095 AD. Uh, there's like a 200 year time span. People aren't sure when Christianity was introduced to the British Isles prior to the publication of Beowulf. Beowulf itself does not take place in England. It takes place in Scandinavia, but it was written by this English person about ye old days of yore, but incorporates like a lot of like 
pagan customs, but also Christian beliefs. That was what a lot of the discussion was in my book group, was about sort of the mishmash of Christianity and paganism and how certain characters' actions, especially the end, which like, spoiler alert, if you don't want thousand year old spoilers, um, <laughs> Beowulf dies, he is killed by a dragon. And the last thing he wants to do is look upon the hoard of gold that he sort of won from the dragon. And so some people in the book club were like, oh, that felt disappointing. Like it didn't feel heroic. Like it was, he, he just wanted to look at his wealth and other people were like, no, but if, if he believed that there was no afterlife, of course he would want to look at like the greatest thing he'd ever done before he shuffled off this mortal coil on a boat that was set on fire and like sent off into the ether. So it was a really interesting discussion and a really interesting way to look at Beowulf. Of course, I'm thinking about the dragon and the cursed gold and all I can think of is my poor Thorn Oakenshield from The Hobbit. So it made me feel all kinds of Hobbit yes. feelings, but mm -hmm. it didn't feel like the venue to bring that up. <laughs> Everyone else was like debating mortality and like Christianity, paganism, the afterlife, the nature of heroism. And I'm like, God, just remember how awful it was when Thorin like had his final scene in The Hobbit. So sad. Uh, so. Oh, beautiful. If I remember correctly from when I read it in college, we were having discussions that the Christianity references differ from certain translations and that later translators had like added more of that into the story than it's originally in there. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, and that did come up a little bit in the discussion, but a lot in sort of the external criticisms of Beowulf, because you have the original Old English text, and then you have all of these translations. And anytime somebody does a translation, their own biases inform it, um, whether they want to regard this as like a historic text or like a fantasy work or like an epic poem or something that does teach a moral lesson. So yeah, there's a lot to delve in ye olde time manuscripts if you, if you have the time and the inclination. You know, I never read Beowulf, so I have been spoiled tonight. No, it's fine. <laughs> Honestly, the only Sorry. thing I can think about with Beowulf is, like, the movie adaptation that came out, like, what was it, 10 years ago or something at this point? Wasn't it Angelina Jolie in there? And it was, like, weird CG, sort of. I have a very clear image of that for some reason. I'm like, yes, that is Beowulf. I remember watching the movie in a class to be like, and then we, you know, what did they change from the story? What did they keep? But I just remember like watching on kind of in horror during the whole thing as this like weird CGI fever dream was playing out before my eyes. Like, you, like there are some movies where it's like, look, you have to write a paper about this book. You didn't read it. Watch 1995 Pride and Prejudice. It's basically the same thing. Just don't write about Mr. Darcy going swimming because that doesn't happen in the book, but it's basically the same thing. CGI <laughs> Beowulf, maybe don't watch that instead of reading the book. It's pretty short. It's a 3,000 line poem. So it's it's pretty short if you want to if you wanna get through it. And a lot of stuff happens between the beginning and the dragon part. So we haven't spoiled the whole thing for you. It still might be worth it. No, there's it. many other monster fights and giving of rings and men like embracing and crying. A lot of like masculine tears. We'll see. I don't know. Like I said, I have had trouble diving into real fiction. And it's just like, excuse me, let me read this fan fiction about this Chinese drama that I'm currently obsessed with. So... Thanks. <laughs> well, if if that's everyone's books that they want to talk about, we can go right into that Chinese drama and, and TV oh, and movies. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, pre 
prepping for this, I was like, what dramas have I watched recently? Because that's just been my life. I basically was like, okay, time for everything Asian culture, just like Korean dramas, Chinese dramas, Thai dramas. I have just been watching so many. Um, I just finished a few that I really liked. Uh, my favorite, well, I liked Hwarang, which is an older Korean drama. Um, I believe the subtitle is Youth Warrior Poets. Uh, it was from 2016. People watch it because V from BTS is in it. I think that was his first drama. It was really sweet, a nice like period drama with a lot of intensity and romance, but also a lot of really fun moments. There's also another uh, K-pop boy in there, um, Minho, who is from Shiny, which is ye old K-pop, if you will. So. That was fun. I also really liked My Shy Boss, which I just finished, which is on Netflix. It's a terrible title. Really cute drama, though, and has some really complex, interesting characters. And I love how the boss is like, he's an introverted person, but the story doesn't change him. Like, he learns ways to adapt and like how to speak to crowds because that's like his major fear. But by the end, he's still struggling with that. But he's gained some new ways of dealing with it, which I really like. I'm like, yes, this drama, like he's still the same character, but he grew. <laughs> and that's like more realistic. And uh, that one is intense as well. Uh, it starts off with a very traumatic scene. And then there's like all of this intrigue. And at the same time, there's also like, really cute moments that's like my thing with dramas is I need a lot of angst and I need a lot of cuteness and little little romance in between is great it needs to have that good balance for me things that are like so happy all the time I'm just like nah. <laughs> not interesting come on you can't be happy if you're not really sad you know <laughs> so that's like my thing um yeah and others let's see i've got into mysteries too i, I wrote down i'm like hmm what are the ones i've watched uh my roommate is a detective i watched sleuth of the ming dynasty both chinese dramas that are historical my roommate is a detective set in 1920s shanghai which was super cool sleuth of the ming dynasty set in the ming dynasty so it's like a few hundred years ago and then also The King, Eternal Monarch, which is a really cool parallel universe drama that is also available on Netflix, which I really enjoyed. So, and that's just like a small amount. I'm like, I watch a lot of Thai BL dramas, which are short for boy love dramas. So they actually have a lot of gay romance dramas out there. And a lot of them are very ridiculous and not super great, but there's been some good ones. And They've been fun to watch each week as new episodes come out. They're like those guilty comfort shows. You're like, this isn't great, but I'm still watching this because it's kind of fun, I guess. <laughs> I didn't realize so many like Asian dramas were on Netflix, like on American Netflix, right? Not like yes. you use a VPN to go in as like... Oh, no, not even. It's Yeah, it's, it's right there on Netflix. And actually, the the show that I'm obsessed with that I'm reading the fanfic for called The Untamed. That is also on Netflix. And it's great. 
and I love it. I've heard of The Untamed. I haven't watched it, (laughs) but people I follow on Instagram are very obsessed. I've seen so many Twitter gifts from that show. Like, I think (laughs) I know the plot just from Twitter gifts. Yes, that (laughs) that was me for the longest time. I was like... I was resisting it, and then I, like, started watching it at one point, but I wasn't in the right headspace. I'm like, ugh, I don't like this. And then, like, several months later, I try it again, and I'm like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and what I love is it's it's a fantasy, like, a really cool epic fantasy, and it's based on a piece of gay fantasy romance literature. And the show having been made in mainland China has a ton of censors, so it is the gay romance is not there. However, the chemistry between the leads is excellent. And I love the characters. They're so interesting and they're very pretty as well, which helps a lot. <laughs> and it's just a really, really intense and wonderful show. Like you will have highs and lows and <laughs> You're just on that ride till the end. And, like, when you get to the end, you're like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? I need to watch it again. (laughs) It's just, like, a a wild ride. I recommend it. So Netflix, if you have it, has a bunch of cool things. Yeah, so if anyone wants to break out of just watching shows written in English and try out some shows written in other languages, um, seems like a lot of great recs to start out with. Just don't mind my, like... Well, have all the dramas. <laughs> I could go on and on. No, great. <laughs> what about you, Elise? What have you been watching? Well, as August marked the beginning of the season of Halloween, I mm-hmm. um, have been watching and ordering from the library a lot of my favorite horror movies. Um, so I rewatched Trick or Treat, which I watch every year over the weekend, the 2007 anthology movie which just feels like fall like it could be 95 degrees outside and muggy but like as soon as that movie goes into the dvd player the air is crisp there are leaves crackling under feet and i'm just like ready for halloween Um, yeah i did watch a new well new to me horror movie it came out in 2015 the witch with anya taylor joy Mm -hmm. um so good if you like the crucible but thought it was a little too mellow and underwhelming you will love the witch um all of the movies i've just referenced are rated r so you know keep that in mind maybe don't watch it with your littles and they are horror movies they are very scary but the witch is great because um not only does it have a really interesting story which could be about paranoia could be about dysfunctional families or could just straight up be about a witch um it also the director took care to light the scenes only with the lighting that would have been available in the period so it's very dark and very atmospheric and it really draws you in to the world of the characters and it's just it's really good there are some really disturb like super disturbing scenes in the movie so if you're not a horror fan not a gore fan um and don't like movies that deal with like really intense religious beliefs this might not be the movie for you but as a horror movie fan and a fan of the crucible i really liked it is that the one where it's like kind of slow paced and then the last five minutes are just insane oh yeah um (laughs) i have heard about this No, the movie starts out with 20 minutes. The first 20 minutes, it's basically like, oh, okay, like, it's the first scene of The Crucible, only not. And then 
in the last 15 minutes of the movie, like after one of the younger brothers disappears into the woods and comes back, it goes off the rails. Like stuff happens before them, but the last 15 minutes, like I, it, it just, everything happens and it feels crazy, but also inevitable. Oh, good writing then. Yeah, and I think The Witch is available on Netflix. Trick or Treat, I don't think, is streaming anywhere, um, but The Witch, I think, is available streaming. Mm. I love horror things this time of year. I also like to watch uh, Let's Plays on YouTube, so I watch people play horror video games. I have always liked watching games, like watching other people play games rather than me myself playing them. And it's really fun watching people play horror games because there's some really cool ones out there. And I like, I jump still, like watching them play. And then it's really fun to hear them scream because <laughs> I, I tend to watch like a bunch of guys, like two best friends that might play together. And, you know, one of them screams and it sets the other one off. And really great jump scares. Uh, Amnesia the Dark Descent is like classic, great horror game to watch it's it's a very fun playthrough to watch if you are into that kind of thing but I'm also thinking like Haunting on Hill House that came out last year I think around this time on Netflix and I kind of maybe I want to watch that again because that was great and creepy I watched the first episode it was a little slow for me I liked the atmosphere I liked the shots I liked the twist ending of the end of the first episode but after watching it I was just like I don't really need to know what happens to these people, but I should give it another chance. I really liked it. Really interesting going back because in all the episodes, I guess there are all these moments where there are ghosts in the background. They're in this house and it's haunted. So there are ghosts around them all the time. And as viewers, you wouldn't notice for your first viewing right away. Hmm. Interesting. So I'm sort of like, ooh, what if I try and I find all the ghost faces? I don't have anything to add to this horror conversation because I'm a big wuss and I don't like anything that's scary. Even though watching, I haven't watched too many playthroughs of people playing super scary games, but I have watched people do playthroughs of games that are like notorious for jump scares. And the jump scares don't get me when I watch playthroughs. I don't know why, but like they'll jump and I'll be like, whatever. Um, like which which games do you mean? I know there's like Spooky's House of Jump Scares, which is entirely that concept. <laughs> um, so I watched a couple playthroughs of a game called Prey, but with an E. Mm. Um, so it's a sci-fi kind of like bordering on horror, but it is not that scary of a game. It is more sci-fi, but the like horror thrill, like suspense aspect of it is that there are a ton of jump scares because. There, uh, the premise of the games is that there's like this. Well, I don't want to give too. I don't want to spoil too much of the game if people go and play it because there is a point where, like, every, in every playthrough I watch, people were like, "Whoa, I had no idea!" Like, there is a point where things turn. But what I will say is that the game includes a lot of objects suddenly becoming enemies. So, like that mm-hmm. coffee cup, just like you turned and you looked back, and now it's a thing that's trying to jump on your face. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, so so that's why I'm saying it's like not creepy, but it's known for the jump scares because of that plot point in the game that that like enemies will come out of nowhere, and uh, 
And yeah, that I for some reason that did I thought it would. I was like, right, I'm preparing myself for things to jump. Out. Maybe that's why. Maybe I like I was like, let me steal. <laughs> but like one playthrough, I watched this this uh this girl YouTuber uh Meg Turney who she does a lot of cosplay and stuff too, but she streams on Twitch and she was like, it was like the title of the video ended up being like, we can't trust trash cans. And you get like a big, you get like a big wrench in the game. And she just was using her big wrench to just like hit every trash can that she saw because she was like, we can't try because one trash can jumped out and became one of these things. And she was like, a trash can! And then it was like attacking every trash can in the game because trash cans can't be trusted. Um, <laughs> That's an amazing concept for a game. She only played two episodes of the game. I don't know if she streamed it and then just never put it on her YouTube the rest of her stream or just never went back to it. I watched another playthrough where they got a little bit further, but then I was like waiting for them to finish the game and then I never went back. So I hadn't seen the whole game, but like I, I did see the big like reveal thing of the game where you're like, oh, this is completely different than what we thought was going on. So. I'm going to go seek this out. This sounds fun. <laughs> when it came out, it was like, it was kind of an indie game. It was made in Austin, I believe, like a company in Austin. Um, yeah, so it was cool. I should go back and like see the end of the game. But uh, like I said, I can't really add anything to the horror movie recommendation or shows that have been. Um, but what I've been watching recently is I took a little... Uh, nostalgia trip back to the late 90s, early 2000s um, <laughs> and watch two movies that are two favorites of mine. I showed them to my boyfriend because he'd never seen them before. The Birdcage <laughs> with Robin Williams yeah. and Nathan Lane. And then we watched The Whole Nine Yards with Bruce Willis and Matthew Perry. Um, both are comedies and both I think are very fun movies. So the birdcage, the whole kind of like premise of it is Robin Williams owns a drag club in South Beach, Florida. His longtime partner is the star at the drag club and they've lived together for a long time. And uh, Robin Williams' character has a son who he had with the woman and she was basically like, I don't want any parental involvement with this kid's life you can just keep him and raise him and they did and um and then he grows up and he wants to marry this super conservative senator's daughter and so it's like a whole kind of like crazy shtick to pretend that they aren't a gay couple and it just hilarity ensues and it's amazing and surprisingly progressive I feel like for the time that it came out because, like, the end kind of, like, moral of the story is that, like, anyone who wants to be maternal can be maternal. Like, your gender or your sex doesn't matter as long as you're a good parent. And the character kind of, like, plays with gender and, like, gets referred to as feminine. And so it's kind of, like, maybe a more gender queer presentation, like, what we would call now, even though people weren't using the words for that then. So I'm just like, wow, this is surprisingly, like, pretty woke movie for coming out, like, in the early 90s. Have you seen the music? No, I haven't. It's really good. So I love The Birdcage, but I also love La Caja Fall. I think it's actually based on a French film, if I'm not mistaken. But they're, the, the Birdcage and La Cage are two very different 
they, they tell the same story two very different ways. So if you've seen one, it's not a guarantee that you'll like the other, but I, I totally recommend Lakash. I think it's really good. And um, the most recent Broadway revival, Kelsey Grammer played the Robin Williams character. Ooh, good choice. Very cool. That's nice uh, that it was a, a good surprise. Sometimes look back on older things and you're like, oh, oh no. <laughs> Problematic. And we'll return to the show after a quick break. Attention writers, join the Rochambeau Library for their virtual writing Promptapalooza Thursdays starting October 1st. With different writing prompt inspirations each week, including story dice, tarot cards, and abstract art, you can participate in one or all five free writing sessions. The event is on Google Meet every Thursday evening in October from 6.30 to 8. Call the Rochambeau Library at 401-272-3780 and ask for Kelly to sign up. Looking for a movie to watch? Canopy has over 30,000 feature films and documentaries for you to stream for free. Log in using your Cranston Public Library card and receive eight free play credits each month. You can watch the 2016 Academy Award-winning film Moonlight and many more films today with Canopy. Go to cranstonlibrary.org and click on the slider that says online resources you can use now to find a link to sign into Canopy today. Um, Kelly, I know that when we were talking about you coming on the show and you mentioned it a little bit earlier that you had been reading it, but that part of how you've been passing the time is indulging in fan fiction. Oh, yes. It's funny because, you know, I am doing the Goodreads challenge where I'm trying to like read books. And last year I read like 75 books. And then this year I was like on track and then COVID happened. And I was just like, no, I cannot read any real books. So I was just dove headfirst into fanfic. And if I actually consider how many words I've read, God, it must be so many books by now. Archive of Our Own is a blessing. And I also, I write my stuff too. Um, I just started writing for The Untamed. It's crazy because it's such a big fandom right now. Like, as you are saying, like people are getting really into it, like all of a sudden, because it just came out last year, but it's kind of picking up momentum internationally. I, I've been writing fan fiction for a while and posting it online for a long time. And this is the fastest I've ever seen my fix like gain popularity. I, I'm almost close to a thousand subscribers on this story I started like three months ago. It's mind-blowing, but also really fun. So that is definitely why it's fun to write and, you know, you get that feedback and it's really nice. And it's, it's funny too with The Untamed because it's based on this source material that's a, you know, a Chinese novel. Uh, there is a translation available online. It's a little clunky. And there's, like, this whole thing in the fandom, like, oh, well, are you writing it based on the drama, or are you writing it based on the book? Because the characters in the book are different than the characters in the drama. da 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 And that's, like, fandom ridiculousness. It's like, come on, we love the same thing. And this, this 
story has so many iterations. It has a live-action drama, which is what I watched, The Untamed. It's got two different animes, I believe. It has a book. It has, I believe, a, maybe a graphic novel, like a fan-made graphic novel. Depending on which you watch or which you read, it's like your interpretation of the story is different. So it's been fun also reading fanfic and discovering things from the book that didn't happen in the show because I'm like, whoa, that happened, huh? Uh, so that's kind of the fun discovery. And now I feel like my characters are sort of a blend between the show and the book, which is kind of what it becomes because having read so many fanfics based more on the book, it just sort of seeps in and becomes part of how I think of these characters. So that's just always my comfort place fanfic started with harry potter back in the day (laughs) recently was supernatural that was like a big part of my life for five years or so and then i just like got really tired of it and just was like no more even though it just ended and i'm like i have no emotional connection to supernatural anymore i have moved on and all my emotions are in the untamed (laughs) sorry i don't control this i just go from one thing to the next wonder what'll be after the untamed who knows at least i think you do fanfic right tell me everything did was (laughs) am always so (laughs) it's funny because i tend to cycle through fandoms so i started like getting involved with all this like 20 years ago when i was like 12 13 in middle school and basically the fandoms i started with are the ones that i'm still involved with so that's like waxed and waned over the years so i got involved really with like the phantom of the opera fandom which is still going that's my primary fandom that i'm writing in right now so it's funny because there's always drama about fan Mm -hmm. creation and ownership and copyright like the enola holmes movie that's coming out is getting grief from the doyle estate about copyright issues um but i tend to write and interact with fandoms where copyright is kind of no longer an issue i think phantom of the opera is still under copyright in france um but not in the u.s so i can do whatever i want there's been so many different versions of it that you can write based on the original novel which very few people have actually read um it's pretty it's a pretty good murder mystery story um or the Claude Rains version in 1942, or the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, or one of the other dozens of musicals that have been written about it, or television miniseries, that, like, Robert Englund horror movie from the 80s, or even Phantom of the Mall, which is a very (laughs) real adaptation that exists. But yeah, I've written in a lot of fandoms, including the one about the boy wizard. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I just, you know, my interest will go away and then I'll find something else that I'm really into and I'll write about that. But yeah, I've kind of, the Phantom is the one I've been writing in the longest, certainly. Like there's stuff on like a fanfiction.net account from decades ago that I do not update anymore and I do not log into anymore because the cringe, it is strong with this one. But yeah, no, like stuff from when I was like 12 and a half years old being like, this is edgy. I'm telling (laughs) jokes. I have some fanfics on fanfiction.net that actually still get likes, like periodically uh, for Naruto that I wrote for and Fruits Basket. And oh, Fruits Basket is such a cute anime. I love my Naruto fic. I just, it's hilarious. People still like it. I'm like, I wrote this 10 years ago. 
this Naruto that I knew is like not relevant because the show has moved on and there's so much more that has been added. I don't even know what's going on with Naruto, but glad you still like this story. I'm trying to think what you guys talking about, like the first fandom that you got involved in reading fan fiction for. And I was trying to think of what mine was. And I think it was Twilight. Yeah, nice. nice. that makes sense. Tw- huge. It was. It was definitely the first fandom that I wrote stuff for. I could have been reading stuff before I got the nerve to write anything, but I think it was Twilight, and then Avatar: The Last Airbender fan fiction yes. was like reading. I didn't. I don't think I wrote it. At least not any that I posted. Mortal Instruments. I know I read a decent amount back in the fanfiction.net days. And then I think there was kind of like a transition period where I went over to AO3, which like, this is the, I guess the best venue to talk about this. On AO3, I'm just like, as a librarian, I really appreciate their tagging system and organization. No, AO3 is amazing. The tagging system is amazing. The filter, like the filters are great. The specificity is awesome and the font size is larger than fanfiction.net and there are no advertisements in the middle of the fic it's just it's a really great reading experience and there's no restrictions on content you know people are not censored for anything and it's great even though you know that is always the argument like the purity police as they say wanting to get into that and it's like come on no fanfiction is great Archive of Our Own has made me realize all the tropes that I love that I want to read over and over and over and over and over, which is hurt comfort. (laughs) Please, please hurt my favorite characters and then have their love interests lovingly care for them. That's all I want. Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned, like, the content issues, because, like, I feel like, based on the fandoms that you were into, Taylor, you were, like, the quote-unquote generation, like, after me, because I was there for the, <laughs> and, like, the mature content purge of fanfiction.net. Oh, I was yeah. there when Anne Rice made her, everybody take down the, the Vampire Chronicles fanfiction. This was all, like, around 2000. Oh, yeah, I was kind of after that because I remember, like, when you read the terms and conditions, they're all like, Anne Rice does not want you to write anything about any of her stuff. And I'm like, I don't really even know who that is, but... Mm-hmm. So that was one of my early fandoms. So I was on, like, the secret forums in the late 90s. Like, and I, again, oh. I was, like, 11, 12 years old, but I told people, oh, yes, I am 17. I am, I am an older teen. Please give me a password because there were two purges. There was the one in the early 90s where, like, she sent cease and desist letters to people and then there was the 2000s one and that's why if you ever find yourself on fanfiction.net and you're reading fanfiction and you find this paragraph disclaimer i do not own this i do not own Mm -hmm. these characters i'm not making any money off of this that's what it's from because there were some creators who were sending and like they were not legally enforceable because it's all covered under fair use and free speech but they would send very scary letters to like teens and 20-somethings from their lawyers being like, you have offended the this writer. You will be sued. And they couldn't be, but people took it very seriously. And it was it was a whole, like, fandom drama now. I'm just kind of like, it's okay. We'll all work it out. Like, right. whether you're writing based on the book or based on the movie, it's okay. We can all be friends yeah. at the end. Your ships are fine. My ships are fine. It's all good. But, like, yeah, now I just remember the days of litigation. Yeah, I I definitely came after that as well. I do remember seeing all those disclaimers 
And I love seeing posts about, you know, yieldfanfic.net and like not only the, the disclaimers, but also the author's notes and the whole lemons and limes and I am an advocate for bringing back squick. For anyone who is listening who is like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, we're in our own little language here. Um, so obviously there are, like, we try to be respectful. I try to be respectful when I'm writing and include trigger warnings for anything that I think could genuinely, like, really discomfort somebody if there's any kind of violence or any kind of adult content or anything like that that I think, you know what, this, like, really needs a warning um especially because in my stories I do like to um explore issues of mental illness and how that impacts characters and so sometimes they'll have thoughts or inclinations that I would want to put a trigger warning before in case anybody else is struggling with that or has struggled with that in the past but sometimes the fandom police can come down hard on anybody writing difficult subject matter or what some people consider to be unsavory subject matter or just something that they don't enjoy. And so rather than simply saying, oh, this squicks me, this, I don't like this, but like objectively, it's not causing harm on mass. Just, I will avoid this. They try to take it down. But squick was just like, ooh, that squicks me out. It creeps me out. I don't like that. Like you enjoy that over there. I'm going to be over here with my hurt comfort pick. Like, yes. yeah, we need to bring back squick as a concept. Yeah, especially because people just like to pile on certain things that they think shouldn't be written about and it's like yeah if it's not harming anybody why do you have a problem with it and uh, I love archive of our own for that reason because when you're posting stories it asks you to put warnings like that's one of the major categories you have to fill out when you're posting a new story so it's great people going into it you can see things that you're like, nope, do not want that. You can just move along. I wish real books came with that. Sometimes, you know, like after reading so much fan fiction, it's like, I want to read real stories that are published out in the world, but but where's the hurt comfort? <laughs> Why don't Where are my tags? Books? How yeah, do I yeah. find this? I know yeah. library catalog can help a little bit, but... Oh. What would we do without fanfic? I don't know. <laughs> I would just be lying in bed awake, not reading anything at two o'clock. <laughs> I guess I didn't realize the like the the word squick ever went away. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I like internalized it into my vocabulary once encountering it from there. But I really liked it as a word because I like I don't have many things that I find triggering, but you know I have things that I want to avoid. So I liked having a word that wasn't like this is a trigger for me because trigger is a very specific thing that's related to trauma. But it's just like, no, this is the thing I just want to avoid because like, I don't drive with it. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it had something to do with people uh, migrating from fanfiction.net to archive of our own. And then the warning systems already built in. So then squick was like not needed so much. Yeah. I wonder. And then the the rating system on AO3 like has expl like has mm -hmm. a distinction between mature and explicit. So now people don't have to say like lemons and limes anymore, yeah. which were which were code words for fix with sex in them. Um, lemony content is my yeah. favorite. Where it's like, well, it's it's like PG thirteen R. It's got lemony content. That's what I thought the 
the word lime was for, where it was like not quite like lemon was like full blown there is sex here, and then lime was like eh, it could make it into an PG thirteen R rated movie probably. Yeah, I always thought that like lemony was like so it gets hot and heavy, but it fades to black eventually. Whereas that pick is a lemon, like close the shutters, don't like look at this when you're in company. But switch to incognito mode. Uh, so I'm also a writer of original fiction, and I had been working on a novel forever since I was 12, and I have buried deep in my files a lemon of my own, like, original <laughs> characters. I, every time I think about it, I just laugh a little because I know it's, like, really awkward and, like, but I just, I remember that it exists, and it does make me smile every once in a while. I'm like, yep. Is that lemon pick I wrote for my own <laughs> That's the thing that happened. <laughs> yep. So to finish up our show in our last chapter segment for this week, which if you would like to submit topics for the last chapter, you can do that at downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. But I figured since I knew that we were going to talk about fan fiction, I would keep it somewhat fan fiction related. And I think we touched on this a little bit already, but... And these are going to be some more fan fiction specific terms, but I'll explain them. Fluff or angst? Which do you like the best? So angst, I think, is pretty self-explanatory, but fluff is basically the opposite of angst. It's a it's a fic that is super sugary sweet. That's I just see, but I like the palette. I'm like, can I have fluffy angst? Like I want both. (laughs) Like give me like happy moments and give me horribly depressing moments. Because then it makes the happy moments even happier. Uh, it depends on the mood I'm in, I would say. There are definitely times where I'm like, no, I need angst right now. I need to see a character grappling with very serious issues. And then uh, there are times where I'm just like, no, I just need them to fall in love in a cute way. And then you just kiss. <laughs> sort of. It depends on my mood. But generally, I would say fluffy angst. So I break the rules. I say both. <laughs> I was so funny. I was just going to say angsty fluff. Um, ah, yeah, because I, I like a happy ending. Like, I am a sucker mm. for a happy ending. Anyone, I think, out there in the world who's like, no, great works of literature and film must end badly because life is pain. Right. I do not agree with that. I think that yep. a, a satisfying ending can be happy just as well as it can be sad. So I... I like characters to go through things and experience things and be challenged and face challenges. But in the end, I just want all the characters I love to be okay, which is why, weird segue, I kind of really respect Stephanie Meyer for when she wrote Breaking Dawn and she had the epic battle scene that wasn't real. Like, spoilers (laughs) for Breaking Dawn, but she didn't want to go the route of, well, I'm, I'm writing this four book teen novel series everyone expects that at least one of my main characters will bite the dust and not survive but she was like no I love these characters I don't want anything bad to happen to them I want them all to have a happily ever after now her vision of what a happily ever after is might not have been what anyone else expected but I do respect her for being like nope I love these characters I want them to be happy I have written them to be happy I will not be taking comments at this time (laughs) fair i like happy endings too me too i'm i'm like all the way to the fluff usually because there's angst happening in the source content 
Like, I recently went back and read some of my favorite Daredevil fanfics, and so it's like the show is so angsty and is so much just like Matt Murdock failing to people properly yep. that I just, like, when in fanfiction, I just, like, <laughs> like, they're in the Daredevil fandom, there was a tag that was, like, Matt Murdock needs a hug, and it was, like, a tag yeah. that had more than one fic on it. it wasn't just some person. Like, it was a tag that had multiple stories under it. So, yeah, sometimes I'm just, like, I just... <laughs> I just want Matt Murdock to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me in, like, the supernatural phase of my life. I'm like, do you see this show? Do you see what they go through? Please, just <laughs> let them take a day off. No, hard save. That's my feeling on The Hobbit. I've written thousands oh, of yeah. words of, like, Hobbit fix-it-fic where I'm like, no, Thorin survives, the dwarves are triumphant, and they're all living happily under the mountain until that whole issue with the ring arises let the dwarves triumph in the end like that that was really what got me way deep back into it that was why i got an ao3 account was so i could write all of the hobbit fix it fic oh yeah there's in uh, <laughs> in the untamed fandom there's a lot of time travel fix it fix because it it, it really it starts off happy and then it goes downhill and it's just like oh no now we're in a war and ah oh, there's all this murder and death so they have the older, jaded characters go back and, like, save their younger selves because they know what's happening. There's a lot of that. More slaying explanation because I, <laughs> I feel like we've thrown the words around a couple times now. So ship <laughs> is the shortening of the word relationship, and it's how people who participate in fandom talk about who they want to get together romantically. And there are, of course, like, big ships in fandom, and there are little ships. And basically any relationship that I write in a fanfiction is like a dinghy. There's like three of us, like, yeah. writing as much output as we can. So, yeah, it's... Because you're over there chilling out in rare pair hell, as I like oh, to call it. Oh, I, I am in yes. rare pair hell. Or in no pair hell. I'm like, I just want to explore how they are as platonic friends, mm -hmm. or their, like, co-worker relationship, or their familial ties. And, like... Yeah. Yes. I'm, and I'm getting like my couple hundred like kudos and everybody else is like thousands of kudos which is the um, archive of our own system of leaving just a little thumbs up on the story a little like on the story um, I'm often like rare pair help but the comments I get are like paragraphs of people being like oh thank you so much <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> Love it. All right. And on that lovely vocabulary lesson, I think we will end the show. So thank you both for coming on. I think this was a really fun discussion. I know I enjoyed it because I have very few outlets to talk about fan fiction. Um, and thank you everyone for listening. This was another episode of Downtime. Downtime is a production of the Cranston Public Library. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza, and our ad music is Happy Ukulele by Scott Holmes. Links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes. To find out everything your library can do for you, visit our website at cranstonlibrary.org. Downtime with Cranston Public Library is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you find your podcasts. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Join us next week for more Downtime. Thank you.